Welcome to the Weatherman Podcast. This is your host, Chad Stecker, and I am, as always, the weathered man. I'm just a humbled man pleading to a broken world, y'all. I always have a lot to say, but hopefully today is exactly what you need to hear. Today's topic, it's most likely going to make some of you listening a little uneasy to say the least, but the truth behind it is too important to ignore, y'all. We are watching before our very eyes a church culture that is adding their definitions and their own desires to leadership structures that are intended to look more like the earthly leader himself than the kingdom of God they actually proclaim. Here it is. You ready? Spiritual castration. (laughs) Come on. Before going any further though, I want to read the part in my spoken word called drama that today's topic stems from. This was probably one of the most talked about portions of my spoken word, if not the most. So here here, here goes. Anyone in my presence is not safe from these attacks to dismantle my mind using the pressure that gravity creates in the situations I find myself in. Just befriending me sets up men to go headfirst into weariness. Friends have left me for far less, but the drama that follows me seems to cause too much stress to the infrastructures of weak men. These same men are looking for cookie-cutter wives to match their cookie-cutter lives, hoping to have control of only the atmospheres close to them. They hinder themselves from rising above their own misconceptions of life's conditions because they have become conditioned to the relative mindsets of groupthink. Let's just blame everything and everyone for our own circumstances. Leaders blaming the drama on bad seeds when it's the soil they created causing warriors to concede. Giving in to giving up. At most spheres of indifference, rising above the negative settings set by leaders conditioning the masses, are the socially malignant tumors cancering the changes of healthy growth that dances on the graves of those that are dying in vain. Those giving their lives for a culture unwilling to change. Men trying to prove their worth by living up to the cultural levels that have succumbed to the many accepted generational devils. They find you and thrill you through the vanity that consumes you. Once having you, they spew you through the pipe of nightmares that never knew you. You end up killing your own dreams that wanted to build you. Developing bad habits you were never meant to look to. Looking through the looking glass that ultimately deceived you. Every man has good intentions until the day he feels devalued. A devalued man is an undeveloped plan. Landing into a war zone that is ready for all things considered. And all things considered, the only real tactic of the enemy that matters is to get the man in question to reconsider the mission he was created to administer. Leading the next generation of warriors intended to mirror the heart within. True discipleship away from sin. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. What if... The plans were the men of the land willing to let their guard down to become a lamb. Meaning, the greatest warriors weren't always the greatest killers. But the ones willing to lay down their own lives for their fellow sinners. Spirit men. Men running away from fleshly desires to go face to face with the evil that conspires. In this section of the poem, I... I deal with what seems to be about many different things, right? But in reality, 
It all comes down to one major issue in the church today. Leadership and the authoritarian leadership style hindering the followers of Christ from ever becoming who they were created to be. The church has become a great place to learn how to follow. But it has become a black hole into nothingness concerning training up leaders to go deeper into this world. True disciples of Jesus Christ. The church has manipulated the warrior in training to just simply becoming a spiritual unit carrying the pastor's Bible. And to make it sound cooler, what we've done is is we've just told the future warriors that this is called being an armor bearer. Sounds really cool, right? But is it biblical? I could be wrong, but I don't see Jesus training his disciples the way the church is dealing with its members this day. Actually, the one thing we do know Jesus trusted one of his disciples to carry was the money bag. How many of you leaders would actually trust one of your disciples with your money bag and nothing else? Right. And he chose the betrayer to do it. Even crazier an idea, huh? I talked to an armor bearer once concerning his role while serving his pastor, and he said this, listen. He said one of his primary jobs was to always have his pastor's Diet Coke and his pastor's mints ready for his pastor at all times. (laughs) Really, that's training these days. And don't tell me that's way out of the ordinary because we know it's not. So you want to know what I told him? I'm not a pastor anymore, I can tell you now. In my subtle, gentle voice that I always seem to have, sarcasm alert, I told him he was an idiot, and serving your leader doesn't mean becoming his female dog. You can get mad all you want now if you don't like the choice of words I just used. I think I was pretty edited and good. I think I handled myself pretty well, but my choice of words is nothing compared to what Christian leaders are doing to God's beloved through the disguise of leadership training in this generation. So, castration. Castration ultimately means to render impotent, literally or metaphorically, by psychological means. To deprive of strength, power, or efficiency. Why isn't the church efficient anymore? Maybe it's because the church has been deprived of the strength, power, and efficiency and has become weakened. Why? Because it has been mutilated. Literally. Castration is the state of being deprived of power, vitality, or vigor. We got to get our power, vitality, and vigor back. In an article from Psychology Today stated this concerning the reasoning for castration. Castration after puberty, turning men into eunuchs, diminishes or completely eliminates the sex drive. Muscle mass, physical strength, and body hair are typically reduced, and eunuchs are usually beardless. Breast enlargement is also common. And the most familiar example of castration to prevent uh, cockledry, eunuchs have often been used as harem guards. Now, before you start thinking this is all about sex and protecting protecting women and, and not letting men become like a woman, this has nothing to do with gender right now. I want you to think spiritual castration, not gender identity. Listen, historically, however, eunuchs, seen as less likely to stir up unrest, 
were far more widely engaged as servants to military commanders and senior political officials. I want you to understand something very critical before I move any further. Because if you don't get this right here, nothing else that follows will mean anything to you. The church has made you believe that the primary function for eunuchs throughout the years were to care for the bride of the king. Ultimately, protecting her from unwanted advances from her servants. They were used for that. We know that through the story of Esther, correct? But history has proven otherwise. Listen. The number one reason for eunuchs throughout all of history is this. Let's go back to that last statement. Eunuchs were used as the servants to the military and political leaders because eunuchs were less likely to stir up unrest. Let me put it in layman's terms for you real quick. Eunuchs wouldn't have the balls to stand up to their leaders no matter the circumstances, right or wrong. (laughs) Seriously, if anyone in the church needs to become eunuched, yep. I just created another word here. I think that's two or three now I've created on this podcast. But bear with me. If anybody needs to become eunuched, it should be actually the pastors leading the charge that have fallen out of love with Jesus because they have fallen in love with the size of their congregation. The Jesus-loving pastor has become the other man to the son of God's bride. And before you accuse me of a rant on the pastorate, let me under, let you understand something real quick. God told me this very thing. This was a word from the Lord to me when I was a lead pastor in 2015. This was something that I know is really easy to be deceived into. I was there. And it was something that I had to stay focused in and on to not ever fall out of love with Jesus and fall in love with his bride becoming the other man in the room. In the 70s, a movement called the Shepherding Movement became a well-known structure for many professing Christ. While portraying a Jesus-focused belief system, the actual structure showcased something much different. The emphasis was to point members to following three key policies. Submission to their earthly shepherd, service for their earthly shepherd, and right relationship with their earthly shepherd. This day and age, we don't call it a shepherding movement. But we call it authoritarian leadership. An authoritarian leadership style is exemplified when a leader dictates dictates policies and procedures, decides what goals are to be achieved, and directs and controls all activities without any meaningful participation by the subordinates. Such a leader has full control of the team, leaving low autonomy within the group. See, he might have participation, but the decisions have already been made. There is no meaningful participation, no meaningful thought process, and no meaningful help. There is the leader and everyone else. I believe in the position of a pastor and respect all those that are called into such a ministry. I'm grateful for my pastors. I'm grateful for all the pastors I know. I do not know where I would be without my pastors. Pastors Stephen and Jennifer Collins have been a complete answer to prayer concerning my life and my family's life. 
I meet with my pastor, Pastor Stephen, every week, and I, 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 I hold him in high esteem. I choose to honor him, and I can honestly say that he knows my struggles and my strengths. I have trusted him as he leads and as I follow him as he follows Christ. But here's the kicker. He cherishes my gifts and my strengths and allows me to grow in areas even beyond him. His self-worth is not tied up in how I see him, but his value as my pastor is completely wrapped up in how I see and experience Christ, true leadership. He trusts other leaders in the house and has true accountability outside and inside the house as well. He's not looking for people to serve him and his agenda. He longs for people to serve Jesus and Jesus's commission. We will learn more about this in just a minute, but my pastor, my pastor trains leaders. He doesn't tame followers. 1 Corinthians 3 says this, <laughs> and yes, I'm going to read the entire chapter. It's not long, but for this case especially, I, I want complete context here. So bear with me, but I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, you are you not of the flesh and behaving only in human ways? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. Planted, I planted Apollos, watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers, or we are his co-laborers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ." Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burnt up, he will suffer loss though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him be, become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God, for it is written, He catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. 
So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours, and you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. That's beautiful right there. I love that. It's one of my favorite chapters in the entire, in the entire New Testament, entire Bible. You got to understand that we are co-laborers. We might have different callings. We might have different things. We might have different needs. We might have different strengths. We, ha- we might have different um, talents and gifts. But God gets the glory. And they are meant to be used for His glory, not the mission of an earthly leader. Now, there's nothing wrong with Apollos and Paul and Cephas. Do you get the point here? He's not attacking earthly leadership. He's just putting us back on the center part of the road out of the gutter that is the extreme. That it's not about Apollos and Paul because they are working in Christ. And you need to understand that we are co-laborers. We are co-workers in him. And we are building a foundation. And everything your, your leader does, everything you do, will be tested by fire. And ultimately, only God will determine whether it stands or it doesn't. But he also says, let no one deceive himself. I'm sorry, you cannot blame your leadership if you're deceived. That's on you to read the word of God. It's on you to test the spirits that the Bible tells you to test. It's on you to have a relationship with Jesus. It's on you to seek the truth in the word of God, the Logos, and through the rhema word of God and the Holy Spirit. Now, Back to my comment I said earlier, my pastor trains leaders. He doesn't tame followers. And I know this speaks of many pastors. I Once again, I'm not generalizing and expecting everybody to believe I feel like every pastor is a, a jerk and an authoritarian. I'm suggesting, though, it has encompassed our culture to a way in a way that many generations never saw before. Jesus did not lead from an authoritarian perspective. He could have. But he didn't. Think about it. Jesus is the Son of God, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the only perfect perfection within flesh. Yet, he led from a place of servitude and humility. He put others first and made his desires last. He raised up leaders and dispersed the followers. He preferred the company of the few rather than the flattery of the masses. He was less about sitting at the head of the table, but led in a cyclical manner. Cyclical manner. Let me explain. King Arthur stole leadership styles from Jesus. Jesus was the leader, the head. We know that. But he preferred the circle table because there he was a leader amongst equals. Not equal in perfection, but equal through the grace of God and the authority through sonship. We have allowed church leaders to spiritually castrate the very people they were called to raise up because they have wrongly defined their success on how many followers they have. They must keep those that are called away from God's voice, only hearing their voice. They tame the people with rules and busy work, creating a black hole in the spiritual growth of those they lead. The work of the follower becomes about serving his church and his leader rather than growing up in Christ and ultimately being sent forth. 
We were intended to be like lions, y'all, ruling the earth through the grace and love of God with the power and authority of Jesus Christ himself. Lions were never meant to become tamed, but trained for the hunt and on guard protecting their own. But the culture and the religious have worked hard at domesticating the lions that were always intended to be wild at heart. Really quick before I finish. Ask yourself these questions, and there's many more, but let's just play along. Ask yourself these five questions. One, am I serving man's orders more than God's calling? Two, does my leader have a head at the head part of the table, or has he made himself a leader amongst equals with the mentality of King Arthur and Jesus? Three, is your relationship with Jesus seen only through the lens of your relationship with your pastor? Four, do the rules given by your authority also apply to them or just those they see they lead? And five, are your leaders helping you grow the gifts and talents God gave you to use? Or are you only present in their life to help them rise higher themselves? The Free Believers blog put out a post in 2008 that said this, I have found that Christians who live from the heart simply cannot be tamed. There's a wild essence in the Spirit of God that requires absolute freedom to roam wherever and whenever He chooses. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit of God. This is the true and unadulterated nature of the Spirit of God, and it's also true of the nature of man through God. If the untamed Spirit of God is given access to the wild heart of man, and the two connect and become one, the possibilities are limitless, unless the human heart in which that Spirit dwells is fully castrated. There will be no controlling that man once the two unite. I agree and always will agree with delegated authority. I have authority and trust mine within my life. It is said often that two heads is always a freak, right? I would completely agree with that statement in this context. Jesus is the head and we are the body. Anytime an earthly leader sees himself as the only voice, he has tried to take over the headship from Christ himself. Because no matter your earthly calling or title that has been given to you by even God, we are all co-laborers in Christ, for Christ, and through Christ. The Christian leader has a key job, to raise up followers of Christ into the next leaders for Christ, regardless of where God sends them and how he chooses to use them. People need to find the freedom to go to a church, grow up in that very church so that they can ultimately go from that church into Judea, Samaria, and to the outermost parts with the gospel of Jesus Christ, unhindered by unhealthy ties, no longer spiritually castrated eunuchs serving only their earthly leaders, but now fully free, roaming wild lions, ready to take earth back for the Lion of Judah himself. Well, thank you again for listening. 
I hope and I pray that you understood this and that you would ponder this and yes, test the spirits and make sure that where I am taking you on this journey is exactly to the feet of Jesus himself. I am grateful that I get to be a part of this. I I know I talked about my wife last week. I'm going to talk about her again. This is May 8th, 2020. My wife has a birthday today. She is absolutely adored in this family. We celebrate her on this day. We worship our Jesus and our Jesus alone, but our Jesus loves us so much that he allows us to celebrate those that he gives us. And so on this day, we are celebrating my wife, my kid's mom, my my in-laws, and my even my parents' daughter and daughter-in-love. And we celebrate Tanya Lynn Stecker on this day. She uh, We've spent the last week, she got in um, beehives. She's always wanted to have beehives and have bees and she got those in today and in our Wednesday and on Wednesday it was so cool because we just sat there and watched her put all these hives together and release the bees 40,000 bees nonetheless I am not a fan of bees and I had the time of my life watching the pleasure that my wife had taking care of those bees and seeing a dream come to pass And I think that's what we do. As leaders of our families, I think the times that I have best led my wife and my children is when I lead them to the very dreams that God put on their hearts himself. That my job is not to order them around, but help them see the order that God has placed them in and with so that they could ultimately step into not just the path, but the very destiny God has called them to be in, whether it is a job, a hobby, or just a lifestyle itself. So I want to say that on this day, I get to celebrate two things. One is I get to celebrate my bride of 17 years and her birthday today, And she is not afraid to get older. She is older and wiser every year. And she's not afraid. She's not one that says, oh, I'm 25 every year. She loves it. It doesn't mean I'm going to give you her age today. I like being married. But the other thing is, is I'm celebrating the fact that this was something that God showed me Wednesday as I was preparing for this, that I have come a long way myself. And that I do not have an authoritarian style of leadership with my wife and my children. I want to sit as the head around the table, but make it a circle table where I'm a leader amongst equals, where they have a place. They have a place to be served, but they also have a place to serve. And I can trust what God is giving them as well. And even though I am the husband and the father, my wife and my children have a lot to teach me through the spirit of the living God that is inside them. May God bless you. May God keep you. May his face shine upon you and may you be blessed and your children will be blessed and your children's children can be blessed because you not only have Jesus with you, but you have the spirit of the living God dwelling inside of you and you are loving the people that are close to you. Bring the gospel to all those around you and remember this, in a world of groupthink, you can watch me, mock me, block me or join me but you cannot silence me. Until next time, stay weathered, my friends.